And in today's episode, we'll be speaking with Ben Clark from Empowered Academy, a dear friend of mine who has been on an incredible life journey so far. Um, He has so much wisdom and knowledge and um, embodiment also of what he teaches. Um, I'll let him explain a little bit more in this episode about what he does. Um, And yeah, sit back and relax and listen to the topic as we talk about um, the need to feel loved. So Ben, I'd really love um, for you to just share just a 30 second spill of um, how you, how Empowered Academy actually came about and um, a little bit about your journey. From being a personal trainer mm-hmm. and realized like I, I got so much more to give than necessarily just training people's bodies. I realized unconsciously I was getting great results with people that I was training from more of a mental, emotional perspective and helping them let go of some of the limitations that they had. And that then led me into, I guess, studying things like uh, NLP, psychology, timeline therapy, hypnosis, and then down the path of yoga and other Eastern philosophies. Ultimately, that's what Empowered Academy is, is, I guess, built upon, Mm. is those teachings, those therapies, um, those methodologies. And essentially from that, it is what it is today where we run courses and retreats and other immersions where... We allow people to step into the most empowered self and uh, ultimately help others do the same. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's been a journey to get to this point yes. um, and it continues to grow and evolve as, it, as it's meant to, mm. but um, it's a pretty amazing journey and I'm so grateful that yeah, I, I get to do this as my work, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Constantly helping people and evolving yourself as you do it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Always, the, uh, always the student. Even mm. while teaching, which is the cool part about this. Yeah. And it's that saying of you're not um, you're not working to live. No way. <laughs> I you're absolutely... To, no. What is it? That saying of you're not living to work? You're, you're working, working to live, essentially. And yeah. I mean, they say when you find something you love, um, you never work a day in your life. And yeah. so often it, it is like that. Obviously, you have your moments where... You're sort of head down, bum up, getting things done. And, and you know, there's that um, masculine side of the business sometimes, which is the doing mm. and, um, you know, the things that you, you do to sort of grow and expand the business. There definitely has to be some doing in there. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is when you, you know, end an immersion or you end a one-on-one with somebody or you, uh, you know, you catch up with someone after you haven't seen them for a year, after they've done some, some work with you, and you just see the transformation that's occurred, mm. whether it be in one session, whether it be in an eight-day immersion, a course, or whether it be a retreat, or whether it be 12 months later after mm. you've had even the smallest interaction with someone. Yeah. The real fulfilling and, and most powerful thing, I think, is seeing the transformation that has occurred yeah. from really you playing a very small part, truly, mm-hmm. um, but still assisting in that journey, knowing that you were there at that particular time to assist that person to move into that next phase. Yeah, to guide them. And that's the difference between, I guess, coaching and other sort of therapies out there. You're not really telling people what to do. Totally. You're assisting them to to find their own resources. You're showing them where to look. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that I really love about what I do too with mentoring is that I'm not telling people what to do. I'm helping guide them to find their own answers. Yeah. Which is where the power is. Because people are constantly telling you where you need to go and you don't have a say in that, you know, it's also taking your power away. 
Hundred percent. And mm. who do we? Who are we to say that we know what's best for somebody? Totally. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, everyone, if they are able to find it inside themselves, that is right for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, everyone's model of the world, what is right for one is not necessarily right for another. What's one's truth is not necessarily another person's truth. Mm-hmm. So we need to always respect people's model of the world, people's decisions, but essentially help ask them maybe more uh, empowering questions so they can find more empowering answers with inside themselves yeah. if you ask someone a disempowering question you're going to get a disempowering answer yeah and that includes ourselves yeah if we ask ourselves yes. constantly disempowering questions then uh we're going to keep getting disempowering answers and therefore disempowering results in life mm-hmm. so uh yeah it's it's a beautiful world i get to live in now compared to even five six years ago that's for sure where mm. i didn't really want to be here at one stage so mm. um, i met you I think probably six, seven years ago. Yeah. And you were just starting to get into this because you'd just studied some NLP with Paul Ocio. Yes. And then I had um, stepped into that not long after. Mm-hmm. So you're my PT. Yes. <laughs> and we did do a little bit of this work, but since then, whoa, as a human being, uh, evolution has happened. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> <laughs> and just to clarify, um, that word immersion for people that don't know. Um, that is when you do your eight day courses, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I guess you could call them like, um, courses or retreats, or whatever. I mm. like to put it all under one sort of high chunk umbrella now and mm. call it immersion. And that's what I really believe in. I mm. like really believe in immersion where time and space disappears. Yeah. Where sometimes like a day seems like it's been two days. Sometimes an hour seems like it's been minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I really believe when you have people with full intention in those spaces, and time and space disappears and we're just totally present in the moment and it's magic happens in those spaces and that's why i like truly believe in bringing people together in immersion because that's where we can take people out of their day-to-day environment yeah like we can take people out of this mind that's constantly in the past constantly in the future and bring people back to now Mm -hmm. and um in those in those uh containers i guess there's like something that's working that's beyond the mind yeah um it's like this energetic that is created with the people that are in intent Mm. in in the outcomes that they're there for and also for each other there's like this love which is funnily enough what we're talking to today there's like (laughs) this unconditional love that gets created uh within that sort of container within that group Mm. and some pretty magical things happen yeah so i'm a big believer in bringing people into those spaces and really just holding the space for them to have that experience. Yeah. And I mean, when, once you see yourself in your own greatness and you can then mm. show other people that. And I think that's, 100%. you know, if anyone, you know, listening is interested in doing a course to around the subconscious mind and learning more about self-awareness and coming back to themselves, mm. you know, these um, immersions or courses, I've definitely done a few and they... I honestly felt those eight days that we did, uh, I reset the NLP, yes. neuro-linguistic programming, um, for you that don't know. Um, but it's it's like working with the subconscious mind and working through uh, the past to heal the past, um, working through um, conditioning and things like that. Um, yeah, I just found that when I did that, it was it felt like I was in this time warp <laughs> and I honestly did not know what day it was. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the powerful thing. And we, we're going to talk into the topic now of the need to feel loved. And for me, when I think of love, I used to, for a lot of people out there, I used to believe that love was all about, you know, the man I was going to be with. 
the romantic mm. part of love. Um, and if I didn't have that in my life, I wasn't worthy of love and mm. what was wrong with me and all that sort of thing. And then one day um, I really, I would say I had a bit of an awakening period where I actually went, oh my gosh, love is in all things. Mm. And it's, it was so expansive. It was like, you know, when you, I would explain it as that look that you give a dog mm. when you love a dog or an animal so much that you see beyond the creature or the physical aspect, but you actually see into, it's like a, a feeling that is like endless. It's in those 30 second moments or five second glimpses of mm. whoa. Yeah. That's what I believe true love is. And mm. when you truly love something, you don't want to, you know, push it down or try and control it or be a hold of it. Mm. And I think for me, that's what that means. Yes. But what I would love to know and what I'd love to now go into a process of and a journey on with you mm. is for you to talk about the need to feel loved mm-hmm. um, and sort of starting right back from when you were younger. Mm. Um, but before that, I really want to know why out of, because on the podcast, I do get people to think of what they'd like to talk into, mm-hmm. why out of all the things in the entire world, did you want to talk into this topic? Because it is everything. Mm-hmm. And it means everything to me. Because what I've realized is love is not something that you do, it's something that you become. And life starts to open up in a very beautiful way when you commit to this journey of becoming loving. Mm. And I even know the, the topic of this podcast is the need to feel love. It's not really what this is about Mm. because that's just the surface level. That's what we we think we need. But really the journey is one of becoming loving. And when we're most alive is when we're actually in this state. Yeah. So I thought it was an important topic to speak into because I know that the expansion of my life and the evolution of my life really has... has, uh, has happened because of this as the catalyst. And I guess getting a deeper understanding of the need for love really is the need to come back to love. Mm, Absolutely. So we'll unpack this a bit more uh, as we delve into this, but uh, I think it's a very important topic that uh, I think a lot of people can benefit from because when you think about life, some of our greatest moments of pleasure, of bliss, have been when we've been quote unquote in love yeah and then also some of our greatest pain is when that love left us yeah so i think you know when when we look at the paradox of love it is also the greatest pleasures that we experience but also our greatest pains yes and that's kind of what it is to be human sometimes that that depth the depth of pain is actually no sorry the depth that we go with love can also be the depth that we go with pain 100 percent. yeah and i think a lot of people who have experienced love the true true love and then experience the depth of that pain, they're like, do I even want to step into that territory again? It's yeah. scary. It is. And I know for me, I've definitely um, experienced that. 
<laughs> I think, yeah, I think if, if you've lived a life, you have. Yeah. Many, maybe more than once. Mm. And, uh, and then we start to get this unconscious tug of war going on where a part of us desires to have this deep love and connection, yet another part of us desires not to feel the pain mm-hmm. of when it left us. So I think this is a really important topic to speak into yeah. um, because I know that in my journey at least, and this is really all we can ever speak from is from personal experience, that's really where real wisdom comes from. Yeah. Uh, I know that this has been a real turning point in a better understanding of what is love and um, how can I experience more of it in my life. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, buckle mm. up, we're in for a, an exciting uh, yes. podcast. Woo! <laughs> 12 minutes in, I reckon we could have probably talked for another 24 hours <laughs> uh, before we got into it, but that's cool. Um, so, tell me, what was your childhood like? I mean, all in all, it was a, a pretty beautiful childhood. Like, I was very blessed to have uh, my parents together. Not that that, you know, is a defining factor, but I was, I was blessed to have them together. And most of the interactions that I can remember being young, like, were quite loving towards one another. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, though, I never really saw them uh, have, like, those public displays of affection much. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, like I'm sure probably privately that happened, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here if it didn't. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, uh, at the same time, like I guess I never really viewed that. And I think that's probably something that unconsciously I carried into relationships further on in life. And it's, it's like no problem really to, to them or, you know, the way in which they do things. Mm-hmm. It's obviously at that age, that's what you model. Absolutely. Um, because you're just observing that all the time. Yeah. Um, and I guess like my other concept of love really came out of like, I used to sit down and watch a lot of Disney movies. Mum and dad, uh, you know, they were pretty, they were pretty busy. Um, even though like when we had time together, it was quality time to a degree. Um, but a lot of the time I was plonked down and I watched a lot of Disney movies, which if you look at pretty much all the Disney movies, especially, uh, you know, in the nineties, early nineties growing up, um, it was Princess. all about, yeah, it was like, <laughs> Prince Charming, the princess, you know, fall in love, live happily ever after sort of thing. And, you know, Princess Jasmine or uh, whatever, or like Sleeping Beauty, they looked a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Prince Charming looked a certain way. And then, you know, life was incomplete until these two people came together. And there were some trials and tribulations, but eventually they lived happily ever after and they were blissful. So, you know, I think from a young age, that was my exposure to like love is between a man and a woman and uh, ultimately when you come together you become complete mm-hmm. and that's when you'll be your happiest in life yes and obviously i viewed my parents together so that was the only model of the world that i've ever been exposed to uh mm-hmm. in terms of like receiving love i was uh yeah i was lucky enough to to have a fair bit of physical touches love which is like my yeah uh, one of my major love languages i now know mm-hmm. of how to receive love i guess um but yeah i guess growing up my exposure to what love is was really based upon what and I think this is the same for many Mm. is really based upon also what I saw in in my parents growing up what I was exposed to in like my Disney movies Mm -hmm. society and so my belief around love probably back then was love was between a man and a woman and when you find that other person that's when you'll experience love and you'll be complete and if love leaves you then isn't that true yeah and then Mm. you would be sad and uh, maybe incomplete. So that was the belief that I probably carried with me for a very, very long time. Mm, how interesting is that? And 
the thing is how much of I mean everyone how much has that been you know just ingrained, ingrained in us yeah to make those decisions like was it really our choice mm. you know especially in the western society it's always been like, probably in every society you know that whole marriage thing and um needing it to look a certain way in order to feel um yeah like you said complete mm. and without it we're not complete it's like forgetting that we're already whole and complete definitely um, yes yeah it's interesting so what was your um family structure and dynamic like yeah, look, my parents are pretty busy. They were very career orientated um, growing up, and like I still had you know quality time with them. But um, because my my mother decided to also take the career path, mm-hmm. and then my dad was taking the career path, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents actually. Okay. So um, yeah, one thing that I definitely got from them was a lot of um, unconditional love. There's no doubt about it. So I guess the spaces that I was in, I, I received a lot of love. And I think really as I started to grow up uh, and I started to, you know, mature into a young man, so to speak, I think deep down unconsciously, I was like seeking that same sort of love and nurture um, that I received from, you know, my mother, mm. uh, my grandparents. My, it was there with my dad as well, but, you know, it wasn't uh, quite as the same as it was. It was really evident in my grandparents and my uh, and my mother in the physical touch, the way I like to receive it. Mm. Um, whereas my dad's way of probably showing love would be acts of service. And I think it's it yes. definitely still is. Yes. Um, so I guess that's kind of my, my upbringing, so to speak. But as mm. I grew up into adolescence, you know, I couldn't like jump into bed and, and give my mum a cuddle, I felt, you know. Yeah, I and, mean, uh, it was a bit awkward. And yeah, yeah, yeah. See, one thing that I never did in my family or what I never, what I always craved to hear was I love you. Mm. And we never, ever, ever said those words yeah. to each other. It was all, mum and dad were very much acts of service. Yeah. I'm very much a person that needs to hear it and yes. needs to feel it. Yeah, definitely. Like a t- I need, I'm the same with the touch because I got that from my grandparents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally get like that. We, we give out or we give love the way we want to receive it. Yes. That's another thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Like I've noticed when I've done my love languages, um, a way that I give love, funnily enough, is actually acts of service. Oh. Is one is my top. And like um physical touch is still still pretty close as a way that I also show love too. But I've noticed like when I zoom out, like I actually do this now in all areas of my life. My business is an extension of a way that I can give mm-hmm. more love mm. and uh i've realized that when i'm doing that it makes me feel more loving yes. yeah as well because and i guess the next step to that and I, I guess we'll we'll go there even deeper but uh what i've realized is how can i step into a space where i'm giving mm-hmm. without any attachment to receiving yeah and i think this is you know a, a big part of now how things have shifted for me around my belief system around what love is yeah and can you have a relationship with someone and be detached i actually now would say no Mm, we'll talk into that yeah please hold on to that yes yeah um because i sort of want to create a bit of a structure for people so they can sort of get a bit of a yeah storyline for you cool cool um if you can tell me 
what do you what is one of your fondest memories as a child when it comes to remembering love fondest memories you know what it's actually probably with my grandfather hey mm. yeah. oh god i'm gonna get a bit emotional around this podcast oh. I oh, know it's not. It's not. I get. I get like that with my grandpa too. But it isn't interesting. Mm-hmm. Like when we speak into love, like that, it can invoke that within us, like almost instantly. Like it's pretty instantly. crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, probably with my grandfather. Yeah, I think like just uh, having quality time with him and uh, spend a lot of time with him. So, what's yeah. what's one of your fondest memories with him? Um, probably. Him? Probably like tinkering around in his shed. Like he had like a shed that he used to tinker around in and like uh, we'd like make stuff in there and stuff like that. So yeah, having that quality time yeah. with him was probably one of my fondest memories, which is interesting. Like you think, oh, it would be your parents. But I think sometimes, you know, grandparents, um, oh. they, they've stepped into a space of like, uh, and I think this is the, the difference because, you know, like your parents, like they kind of have to love you, right? <laughs> but... But it's like your your grandparents, like it's so unconditional. They expect oh, nothing exactly. in return, like absolutely nothing. They know that they can give us back, so they're yeah. like, "That's fine. I'll give you everything you want." To yeah, that's probably right. right. <laughs> that's probably right. It's probably right, and it's like they've yeah they've gone through the whole bringing up their own kids, and then there's like another child, and all they want to do is just shower in love. Yeah. So such a great example, and I guess like even though we were just like in the shed, like tinkering around. Like, it's something I could feel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it is a feeling, isn't it? Oh, massively. It is, it's deep. It's a, it's a deep feeling. And um, I feel to just quickly share, because you've just reminded me of, I've reminded myself actually. Please this do. Question. Um, one of my fondest memories is sitting with my papa, mm-hmm. my dad's dad. Yeah. And he used to look at me. We he literally like we are now. He would sit on a chair together. Mm-hmm. He would hold my hand, and I'd hold his, and we would sing together. Oh, beautiful! Like as in, you know, there's this one song I remember that's like this old, old song, and uh, it, it's awesome. Like he'd just hold hands, and he'd look at me, and he asked, "How are you? Mm-hmm. What's happening with you? How was your trip? Tell me all about it." Yeah, total and he just total presence. Mm. And one day I remember saying to him, Papa, do you, have you noticed I've lost weight? And then he goes, Rachel, I don't look at that. I look at you. Oh, and it was like one of those moments where I felt like everyone else didn't do that. Because yeah. it was my perception. But <laughs> he was one person that saw me and truly saw me for me. Mm. And that's one thing I know that love means to me is when you see beyond everything Mm. it's like it's a feeling a connection that you know is endless between someone um and so i have so many memories of him and i cry a lot like quite often like when i think of him but it's happy it's it's sad but it's happy yes isn't it interesting how it can bring up that it's not around anymore but it is it's Mm. also present in everyone else that we can associate with now Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the this is the thing we need to always remember. Life is essentially a whole heap of paradoxes. Mm. You can't have that deep love and blissfulness without, you know, that the pain of it leaving. And one thing that and this might not be everyone's truth, but I definitely know it's mine. Mm. Anything that is real is changing constantly. Mm. And doesn't necessarily mean it's leaving you. I never said that. 
it's changing yeah so you know at the end of the day like it, it can't always be the same no that what it was before and we have to accept that change is a natural part of you know all existence yeah macrocosm microcosm and if we can accept change that even means like the love how it used to show up for us it may be different now yeah yeah and every time love comes in eventually it will flow out but other love will come in in a different shape and love evolves over time based upon you. Yeah, exactly. It's all us. Yeah. That reflection, isn't it? It is. And one thing that my dad has always said, and it's so powerful, mm. is whether someone is alive or dead, they're just a memory. Yes. So it doesn't matter if they're here or not. It lives within you. Therefore, mm. it's true. Mm. And therefore, it's real. Yes. 100%. And that is something I always remember. Yeah. And he said another cool thing the other day. He said, do you know the only security you'll ever have is in your mind? That's true. The only security. I think we're talking about money and things like that. Mm -hmm. He said the only thing that you'll ever have as a true security is your own mind and the control that you have over it. There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Like obviously there's like, different parts to that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, the only certainty really in, mm. in a world that's constantly changing is the certainty that you know that you can bring to any situation. And that's based upon how you decide to look at a situation. Is yeah. life happening to you or for you? And see it. based upon that, am I being guided or am I being punished? Like it, it's whatever meaning you give to it. Yeah. And it takes a certain level of, I guess, faith really. To, to step into that and go, all right, I don't know exactly why or what this is that's playing out right now, but what I can know, what I can deeply connect to is that at some level, this is guiding me mm. to, to a greater purpose. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't have the evidence for that and that's where you have to lean back onto faith. Trust and something greater. Yeah. yeah. And let it catch you. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to call that. <laughs> yeah, whatever it you is know, whatever, you. Just don't let it limit you, whatever the name is, right? That's right. Um, so, what is your most challenging memory as a child when it comes to remembering or being rejected by love? For the first memory that pops up, so I'm going to go with this, yeah. and I'm sure there was probably other ones as a child, but the first memory that comes up is probably where I surrendered to love the deepest for the very first time. Mm. And, and this is an interesting one to speak into, I think, and something that all your listeners will, um, will be able to connect to. Because the very first time you, quote, unquote, fall in love, mm. it's really the very first time that you fully surrendered to, I guess, the energy of love itself. Mm. And in that moment, you probably didn't have a past experience of truly surrendering to another person. Yeah. And really letting yourself be totally vulnerable, totally open and showing all parts of yourself. Yeah. And because you don't have that past memory of being hurt, you you go all in. Oh yeah. You go <laughs> all the way. You really do, right? You literally just don't worry about the idea of it ending. You just focus on the present moment of how blissful it is. Mm. And you just continue to surrender and surrender and surrender and surrender to love. You just jump in. And it's just so blissful that you continue to just keep surrendering to it. Until that fateful day that it changes. Mm. And, you know, as people sometimes come together, when they first come together, it is absolutely perfect for that period of time. Yeah. 
But as people continue to grow internally, which is always, the, the, the growth is always the internal one. Mm-hmm. We can grow in different directions, yeah. which is totally fine. And, you know, some people come into your life for a reason, a season, you know, like it really doesn't matter. It, but everyone comes in exactly how they're supposed to because if it happened, it was meant to happen, Yeah. you know, and there's beauty in all of the interactions. But the very first time that that interaction officially sort of ended, man, I, I felt like a piece of me like was lost Yeah. and I felt alone and I felt like love had left me mm-hmm. and it was like this deep, like heaviness in my heart. And it was like physiological as much as it was psychological in, yeah. in many ways. Oh, and uh, yeah, I just remember the heaviness of that and my deepest desire, I didn't really, really realize it until much later on, but my deepest desire that was driving pretty much all of my action was this desire or this need to feel love, to be loved. Yeah. And when that leaves you, it's the feeling of why am I not worthy? Mm. Generally, yes. it's why am I not worthy of this anymore? Hundred percent, and it becomes a self worth piece. Hundred percent, and it's it's an interesting thing to start delving into and unpacking because when we look at this need to feel loved, it's also linked to the need to feel significant, the need to feel like you matter, the need to to feel seen, the need to to feel worthy enough, the need to feel accepted, and. there's so many needs that are underneath one need, right? But it's interesting that love and significance kind of tend to play on this similar sort of field. Mm. We kind of start to feel like there's something that is special about us if we're, you know, loved by another and maybe there's something wrong with us if we're not loved by another. Now, you know, of course, that's a narrative that that probably has, as we were speaking to before, is something that, you know, society pushes. It's, it's like, okay... They speak about like all these shows, like you know, Married at First Sight. You know, like, mm. but like there's a problem in being in solitude. Yeah. And it's like, like there's a problem with you. Or you go to like an event. Someone's like, oh, you know, are you married or you're not? You're not got a partner. Oh, okay. What's mm. what's wrong with them? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> so society kind of is almost like pushing that happiness will be when you're in union with another. Mm. Right. So I think I feel like it's not just uh, something that we make up it's something that we become conditioned to believe oh yeah i've had i mean i've been i've chosen to be single for quite some time now obviously it's also because subconsciously i was dealing with my own hurt and all of that yes but i've just recently decided nah i'm opening up my heart again Mm. to let that in but it's it's interesting how when you are in that space of not receiving the love that, yeah, it's that mental thing of – and because I've had to learn one of my biggest things in my life was, Rachel, you will not be with anyone until you decide that you're going to love you. 100%. And I don't mean that, oh, because I started to live in this way of like, I'm not going to find the right person until I fully love myself. It's like, no, Rachel, that's a journey. Mm-hmm. So you can relax on that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely – I know that I've needed to find a solid foundation within myself before anyone could truly enter. The one that was right for me anyway, to be able to do life with, you know, yes. and add on to my life. And it's it's interesting how many people go, oh, so why don't you have a plan? It doesn't make sense to me. Or mm. well, it's really interesting how um, uh, you're really happy 
is there like, who's the lucky guy? Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm just happy. Yes. <laughs> like, and I'm allowed to be happy. But it's yeah. funny how people think that it's associated mm. to there must be somewhere in your life to be so happy. Yes. Or they get irritated by your happiness mm. because it brings up something deep within them that's like, well, if you're so... I've had heaps of people say that to me. You know, you really annoyed me when I first met you because you were happy. Yeah. And I was like, why is she happy? <laughs> I'm not. Yes. Like, and it's annoying because a lot of people see things and people that they want or mm. that they feel is unattainable. Yeah. And yeah. That's where like essentially the whole tall poppy syndrome comes from. I mean, mm. it's like people want to see you do well, but not better than them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy that because we're all human, we all feel it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, this is unconscious stuff that it is that is coming from a lack mentality. But this is and this is really interesting because this is speaking into this piece, really, mm. because if you really look at love, like, you know, where does it come from? Uh, you know, do you need somebody else to have the experience of love? And some people may say yes to this, and that's totally okay because that's your experience up until now. But if you look at love itself, it's not something that necessarily needs an external stimulus. Mm-hmm. It's something that ultimately, at some level, consciously or unconsciously, there was a feeling invoked within you. Yep. And love is an emotion. And yes, there's an energetic to an emotion. That's you know scientifically proven and through quantum physics as yep, well. Yep. But ultimately, when we look at love and relationships, I think it's important to actually separate the two. Because to be in a relationship is a multi-dimensional thing. And there are so many different dimensions to deciding to be in a partnership. But the most important thing about being in a partnership is the intent behind it. Yes. Is it complementary? Or is it codependent? Exactly. And that is a really important question to always ask yourself. Am I trying to enter into this relationship or am I currently in this relationship because it completes me? Yeah, it's filling a void. Yeah. And it's like if you if you are in a situation where a relationship is essentially filling a void that, and, and filling a, you know, a void of, of some aspect that you don't believe you already possess, then essentially when that leaves you, you're going to feel alone, empty, incomplete. Or when you find it, you don't need that person anymore. Correct. Mm. So this is a very interesting thing to look at. Yeah. So it's not about you know, you know, totally loving yourself completely because, as you said, that's a journey and it's a journey of consistent awareness, really. Yeah. And really self-discovery and probably to a degree like raw honesty. Like self-love is, is really looking at all aspects of your life and going, if I truly loved myself, would I speak to myself like this internal mm. thoughts? Would I, you know, put these things into my body? Would I, you know, do certain things and not do certain things? If you truly loved yourself, you would treat yourself like, you know, a temple essentially. And this is a really interesting to, thing to look at because when you truly love yourself, there's a certain way you look after yourself. Mm. There's a certain way you speak to yourself. There's certain things you will do to your body and certain things you won't do to your body. Mm. You know, this is something to start to look into even deeper because... Self-love is not just a psychology, it's a way of being. It's yeah. like you can't be, you can't say I'm doing healthy right now. You, you simply are experiencing good health or you're not. Yeah. And love is the same. You can't be I'm doing love right now. No, you're not doing love right now. <laughs> I like that. Right? Love is the same. Yeah. It is the same. There's certain things that you will do that will cultivate a certain 
loving state within yep. yourself. Yep. And I think that's where it has to start because yeah. if you're seeking someone to complete or bring love into your life, that's a dangerous game to play because yeah. things are constantly changing. The only real control in life you have is the fact there is no control, but probably your innermost state yeah. is the one thing that you can at least regulate to a certain yes. degree. Yes. So how can, if you decide to move into a, a relationship, mm -hmm. how can it be, and this is a big realization for me, how can it be something that is complementary, not codependent? It's not something that I need. Yeah. It's something that I choose. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it is a choice. Who you choose to be with is a choice every day to step into that. 100%. Do I choose to see this person through the eyes of love or myself through the eyes of love? Mm. Or do I choose to play out old cycles and old stories and have that person project that at me, you know? Yes. So, mm, it's, it's all very interesting. So, just in a 30-second spill, if you can just let me know the first time mm -hmm. that you experienced that rejection. Yeah. And then... I would love for you to then tell me or tell the listeners what you've sort of sort of talked into it, but what do you believe, when do you believe your heart was truly reopened to true love? Oh, beautiful. So that just that first one and then, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, it's probably the first time I fell deeply into love and then that love left was that me. Was that with the person? Yeah, 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 with with with, with, a, with a, a girlfriend that yeah. uh, I think I was probably about nineteen at the time. Yeah. So like it was enough like mental maturity probably to the point, and I guess like at that age too, you can experience things a lot deeper yes. because like you know you're more intimate in in that way. I mean, intimacy and love don't necessarily go hand in hand. I mean, you can be intimate with someone and there can be no love there. Like, but if you have love while experience intimacy, well that can be pretty deep. Mm -hmm. And also, I guess what else was happening at that time is, you know, like you have, I had my license and stuff, of course, by that stage. Freedom. Freedom. Yeah, so that. you could go on dates and you can have experiences together. I think we went on some holidays, created some really amazing experiences together, which obviously then deepens that. Mm. Um, before that time, it was like you're at school and stuff. So, you know, you can only go so deep, I think, and you only have a certain psychology at that point. And I think love is multidimensional. You know, yeah. um, especially when we experience it. But ultimately, I think, you know, if we look at um, love itself, it is based in emotion. Yeah. It's like, you know, when when we're in a higher level of energetic uh, love, I would say that's more bliss. Mm. That's more the energetic version of love. But when we're talking like uh, the emotional version, I think that is, you know, love itself. Beyond that, it's like when if we look at the physical version, that's more pleasure. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. and um, it's, it's different again. And that's, these are the different elements, but we've got to make sure that we're not mistaking, you know, these different elements. Pleasure is not necessarily love. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. As you can tell, we love to talk <laughs> and uh, get sidetracked. Yes. That's <laughs> As in, right. Oh my God, that reminds me of that. Reminds yeah. me of that. <laughs> but I think that um, getting back to your question about like yeah. the moment that no, my heart good. truly cracked open. Yeah, like reopen to true love, whatever that means for you. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's been an ongoing journey and I think uh, the journey is one with yourself. I think like uh, truly the moment that the, the cracking open of the heart really happened was funnily enough, it was after I finished my first 200 hours of doing uh, yoga teacher training. 
Wow. Yeah. And we had like this circle at the end and I was the only bloke in this training, right? Wow. And um, in this training, I had to like put a lot of my old behaviors and ways of thinking on the shelf. So during this training, they sort of said, if you really want to get the most out of this training and see what like yoga asana can do. And I just went into it to get become more flexible mm. and to get a bit of peace of mind. I didn't really know that it was a full holistic system of wellness and inner well-being and all of that. But anyway, I, I went into it and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a real good go. So for the first time since I was 16, I decided during the training that I wouldn't do any weights. Mm. And that was a real identity thing as well. Yes. And yeah. I decided for the first time ever in my life, so for what I can remember, that I would not eat any meat. And I remember the first time in my life I was going to have a, I was going to practice a regular meditation. So I did this for, it was about, it was probably a little bit under a month, maybe. So you did this yoga thing over a month? Yeah, about a month, about a month. But it was like, not every day, it was like four days a week over a month, I think. So yeah, four weekends. And anyway, like, I could notice these changes in my state. I was naturally becoming more like loving. And it sounds really strange to maybe say this to some listeners, but little things like I would have more compassion, more empathy, and like I'd watch, you know, something on even the news about, you know, someone dying or something and I'd feel upset about it. I would like read a story or watch a movie and I'd like become involved in that and become more emotional about it. Um, I would sometimes just be in like a, a, po- a posture in yoga and I just have like an emotional release. Mm. Um, it'd be like, you know, I would be in a line in coals or something and then someone's like, oh, I don't know if I've, hang on, I might have to put some of these items back. And it's like, no, no way. Like, you know, how can I just pay for this? Mm. And so I started to notice these subtle changes, not just within me, but also in my actions. Yeah. And it wasn't until we got to the, the circle at the end where we had to like say, you know, what, what has uh, yoga given you? Um, you know, what have you, what have you gained from this experience essentially? And everyone went around and um, sort of shared their bit. And I had it all rehearsed in my head. Like, mm. You know, I was always like, okay, yep, I've got rehearsed what I'm going to say. Yep, learn how to have a really good stretch. And uh, yep, definitely going to practice the meditation. I'm feeling a lot more calm. Thank you for everybody, uh, support, for your support during this. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to doing some more of that. It was something like very cut and dry. Mm. wasn't going to get all emotional. But people were getting emotional. I was like, fine, whatever, like all good. Then it got to me and I had it all scripted in my head what I was going to say. And then all of a sudden, like this overwhelming like feeling uh, in my heart just was resonating. I could almost feel my heart beating faster. Wow. And I felt this like rush of, I guess it was like emotion, but in a blissful way. And I just started like crying, but in a good way. Like they just were like weeping from my eyes. And it was like, and then the only words I could say was the following. I was like, oh my God, yoga has finally opened me I feel so cracked open and it's scary but it feels so good and that's all Mm. I could say Mm. and um and I just was like crying Mm. and that was where I feel like probably the moment my heart really started to open up and from that point onwards it was like the relationships that I had uh were definitely at a deeper level I could definitely surrender at some point to a deeper level within the relationships that I did have from that point. Yeah. But it's an ongoing journey. I'm not to say that I've like reached the pinnacle of 
full, you know, open heartedness, self love, because it is a journey as you, as you spoke about before. And I think it's uh, it is a journey of really peeling back the layers and in relationship when you have those. Yeah. I was just about to ask you now that, and I love how when you truly reopened your heart again, it had nothing to do with someone re-entering, mm. like a, a human being no. on the external. It was actually a reopening within yourself, which yes. is which is where the true power is. And I know that that's for me with when it happened, it was like this this absolute cracking open, and it had nothing to do with mm. anyone else. Yes, it was yes. just me and the divine, or a greater. So everything that connects us all together, look, it's one of those things that until you experience it and yeah. everyone has had a taste of it, like yeah. I said, when it, whether it's looking at a dog or looking out of the sunset, just for that split second, knowing that you're connected to that thing. Yes, And absolutely. that there's no separation. That is... 100%. You know, that is the true, the ultimate, I believe. But when it comes to you've recently met a beautiful woman. Yes. Um by the name of Anna. So I would love for you to tell me what it was like to re-enter into a more of a conscious relationship mm-hmm. um, and how you found yourself and your heart and love mm-hmm. opening up for you through that. I think it's a deep love that we share at the moment because of the work that we've both done. Mm. And... I say this not to take any magic away from it because, you know, there there is definitely things are placed in a time and space for a reason. Yeah. And when things don't necessarily last forever, well, were they ever promised to? Yeah. Like truly, everything's always changing. Yeah. And in many ways, even every relationship that's led to this relationship right now has put me in a position to be a more loving individual yes, and to learn in relationship. And though that can sometimes cause, you know, you could look at it as it caused pain because I simply wasn't open enough in those times. But what would I say is the major catalyst? And I'm going to bring it back, me. Yeah. And what is the major catalyst for the success in the relationship that we have? Also, Anna as well. Because relationships go both ways and it's truly about when those clashing of heads happen Mm. um when you know that when we both are like in our masculine trying to get our way Mm. you know we're saying you have to see my point of view it's like how can we both actually soften yeah and open to love in those moments and how can we essentially be in a position where we put our ego behind us our self-righteousness and go how can i allow this person to feel seen, heard and held. Yeah. And yeah, up until probably pretty recently, relationships has been a bit of a, a you know, a bit of a, a wonky wheel on the cart for me. Yeah. And I realize now the success in in relationships and I think this is something that we can all carry yeah. forward is the work that we do within ourselves. The more we can leave the ego at the door and that's to be a commitment too. Yes. Because this is, we get sold this idea that relationships are always like, you know, rainbows and butterflies, but a conscious relationship is not fucking rainbows and butterflies. Truly. Yeah. Especially when it first starts. In fact, it's probably going to be rocky as 
because you're going to have two people that are not afraid to pull each other up on their shit. Yes, how true is that? Yeah, and you do that because you care. Yeah. And at the same time, though, you still are able to hold that space for the person. And actually feel the tension within yourself. Yeah. And be the, the person to actually say, do you know what? I'm not actually going to get my ego involved here. And it's interesting because it even comes with friendships too. I have a... 100%. Um, I'll just quickly talking to this. I have a, a dear friend of mine who is also a very aware person. Yeah. And I've spent a lot of time away yep. with her. And her and I will both vouch for it. Yes. That we have called each other out on some of our biggest issues. Like as in, you know, going, look, I've observed that you do this. And I have felt triggered as hell. Yes. And I have actually said, I'm not going to react right now mm-hmm. because I'd just be playing into an old story. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be stepping into that, that child mode. I'm just going to sit back and we can talk about this later. Yeah. Because I, I found that what I would do in relationships is I was constantly the one in control or needing to get my point across to prove, no, 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 no. You've got to see that the reason why I do this is this and yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, cool, you do that, Rachel. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. Own that you do it and that's how it can be perceived sometimes. 100%. And then having the conversation later of, you know, because I, I could, and I will say this, it is true, I've, I've been known to be passive-aggressive. Anyone that really knows me. Oh, me too. <laughs> anyone that really knows me knows that I'm loving as hell. I will give you everything when it comes to, you know, if I really love and respect you and you, we have an equal um, amount of respect and all that stuff, I, I've been known to be that way, especially with like parents and family. Yes. Where they'll say something that really cut deep. And then I'll snipe her in yep. as if to say, remember when you did that and now you know what it feels like. Yes. And yeah. that's not nice. Yeah. And um, I definitely don't do that really much anymore at all. I try and say what it is that I need to say. Yeah, that's important. But after, because yeah. I know if I say in those moments. In the heat of the emotion, it's, yeah. it's at death is really. And all you're yeah. going to get is like a reaction, yeah. not a response. Yeah. And people... Um, know when you people always remember how you made them feel and what you said they'll never forget those words yeah and so i I think that's why because i know how much words have hurt me Mm. so i never want anyone to feel the way that i once felt so when it comes to that it's like how can i leave this person knowing that they're more loved than what they thought before rather than yes how can i you know so it's interesting how yeah in conscious even friendships and, you know, um, all that sort of stuff, how you can't even, I feel awkward playing even into old shit, <laughs> sorry, yes. um, when, yeah, because it's like, oh, well, that would just be me sort of lowering myself to something that I'm not even not, like I'm not anymore, if yes, that makes sense. exactly. So like, yes. why, would I, why would I act childish and divert back to that child mm. when I know that I can just sit back for a minute? Yeah. There's a, there's a good saying that goes, a wise man once said, nothing mm. you know it sometimes takes more ego to leave your opinion yeah or your point of view so much. on the shelf and just go how cool. true is that go yeah that i i can understand why you think and feel that yeah and it's like mm, like swirling around yeah. and you're like 
Yeah. I don't actually need to prove anything in this moment. Yeah. So true. And it's funnily enough, I feel like the difference now uh, is because in the relationship that I'm currently in, it, it, you know, it's not like it's, you know, rainbows and butterflies all the time now either. And I think it's accepting that that is what a relationship actually is because it can't be like that all the time. Do you think you're going to go in a relationship and never have a single disagreement like all the way through? Hopefully over time, less and less and less and less. But of course that's going to happen. So I think like we need to change the narrative of what is good or bad. In fact, I think it would probably be unhealthy Mm. to not have those moments of disagreement. And, And it's like in those moments of disagreement when you're able to then hold that space for the other person and hear them out and not feel like they're... And one thing I used to do is like when I didn't agree or I didn't feel like I could get my point across, I would just be like, leave. I'd just yeah. like leave the room and go, well, I'm not going to deal Me with this right too. now, right? <laughs> but all that really does is make the, the other person feel totally unsafe. I know. Totally, okay, we go back to seeing her and held. Do they feel seen? Hell no. Do they feel heard? Hell no. Do they feel held? Hell no. Mm. And it's in those moments, and it's hard as hell sometimes. It really is. But in those moments, I like swallow all my pride down. Well, not pride, it's just ego actually. Perceived pride. And I go, how can I soften? Mm. And in those moments, sometimes it's like giving that person, like if it's welcomed, giving them a hug and going, it's okay. Mm. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, Mm. like even if you don't feel like you've done anything wrong, and guess what will happen? that person will be able to come back into those spaces and share their truth because they feel safe to do so. Yeah. So I feel the difference now and it's, and you know, when we first met, there was obviously like an, a really cool connection there. Like even when we first met, it was both our birthdays and like a friendship sort of mm. grew into what it is now. And I think that's really cool too. When yeah, it is. It is. people start out with the intention of just being really friends yeah. and having just a really natural connection which is without an agenda yeah and then it can grow and blossom into what it is but interesting enough like we're both born the same day both virgos that's crazy so the the funny thing is is we are so similar in so many ways but different too because like Mm. obviously i'm a masculine version in body and female version which is going to make a massive difference to Mm. like to so many elements in fact yes but the ability for her to actually drop fully into her divine feminine and for me to be able to also drop into my, and I'm going to say drop into, not rise into, drop into mm. my um, divine masculine because there's a harmony now. And at first there was a bit of a power play going on. Yeah. And we had a lot of like similarities. It was like, that's so annoying. And then it was like the realization, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, it's about, true. I think you yeah. have to, for a relationship to work, Ultimately, it's a commitment to each other that it's okay to have these moments of shit, but we're solid. Exactly. It's that solid foundation. Yeah. yeah. To know that, like, we're solid. Yeah. Like, to know that no matter what happens. You're not running away as soon as something hits the fan, you know yeah. what I mean? And it, it's, I just want to, I felt to talk about perception in terms of, in those moments, it's, it's interesting for myself how I can get into such I can feel something so deep and get into this frame of mind that it's never going to end and that it's just this is the way it is now and it's like a spiral so for example 
let's just say I have a discussion with someone or there's a bit of tension playing out. Yeah. In my head, I automatically want to run away. All right. I'm can, like, I, can I give you a strategy that you can use for all areas of life? It's a it's a Buddhism strategy, actually. You, you so can in yeah. two seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and with that, it's like, oh, it's telling us that we've only got five minutes. Damn. <laughs> or to keep an eye out. Yes. Um, perception is that like for me when things can be like say in a relationship this moment is so hard right now if the rest of my time with this person has to be this hard i'm not fucking doing it yeah and then in the next second we're back to laughing and having fun yes and it goes in it's like oh oh things are changing and it makes it better again and i think you need that Ebb and flow to appreciate. Oh, it's it is a hundred percent what that, actually makes that it amazing. Buddhist thing to So us. how can we in those moments of frustration, anger, whatever it might be, with another or with ourselves, yeah. zoom out. Yes. Even those moments, catch yourself and then zoom out and see things from a higher perspective. Zoom out and look at the relationship in its totality from the moment you met to now. Mm. And then all of a sudden, imagine it was like a timeline or something. You don't necessarily have to do this, but you could. And you can see like the little red dots maybe of where things you've had conflict or where it's been, oh, I'm so over this. They will be so minute compared to the amazing times you've had, hopefully. So true. So true. So in life, how can you zoom out more? Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Simple. Disassociate, detach. Yeah. Yeah. The last question. Sure. If you had a son right now. Yep. You represented your younger self. Yes. How old is this son, first and foremost? Oh, Give me let's an say five. All right, five. Oh, okay. What would you say to him if you knew he was hurting and feeling unloved? I would say to him that he will always be loved by myself. And I say it's okay to, to feel that way. But know truly that, you know, that feeling of love comes from you but you always have my love unconditionally yeah. and I'll always be there for you. You always have his back. Mm. Mm. That would be probably the words that I would say. And then I'd make sure that he felt it. Yeah. And if it was with a hug or whatever, um, and that would be the way that I would pass that message across. Mm, beautiful. Heard, felt. Uh, seen, heard seen. and held. Yeah. Yeah. Seen, heard and held. Beautiful, Ben. I have had such a good time. I know we could talk forever. Um, just to finalise this quickly, what do you do for those people listening and how would they approach you? Yeah, sure. So we run a whole heap of different immersions, whether it be uh, like a one-day workshop, or whether it be a, uh, a weekend immersion like a retreat or whether we run like full courses where you can totally empower yourself with these tools uh, to ultimately change your psychological uh, framework of the way you see the world and ultimately then using those tools to heal the past and and really give you tools so you can step into each present moment with more certainty and and really reframe to a more beautiful I guess positive or grateful place Mm -hmm. we also give you the tools to then assist other people do the same so we have our, our courses, we have our immersions in terms of our retreats, and then we have our one-day workshops, um, as well as automated programs and uh, mm. that we also run online as well. Amazing. And, yeah, and you can find us at, um, our website is www.empoweredacademy.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Empowered Academy or Ben Clark. 
Um, and you can also find us on Instagram. So Ben underscore empower, uh, Ben underscore Clark underscore empower. Amazing. And I'll put your bio and everything in the post on my Facebook, which is Rachel Chipotle or Inner Perceptions. Um, so you'll be able to find that there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It's been oh an God. absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.